Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Community Church. Um, I had to make an announcement this morning, and Thad's like, just welcome, everybody. And if you don't know who I am, I'm Andrea Stovall. I'm the children's director here at Grace Community Church. And if you never bring a child to me down at the children's building, then I have not met you. But I am involved in some of the ladies' Bible studies and in small groups. So I do meet other people at the church, but I'm heavily involved in the children's ministry here. But I'm here to make an announcement this morning about missions. And um, I am, me and uh, some of my family are going on a mission trip uh, later this summer. And I thought a lot of us are going on mission trips and need a way to help pay for those trips. So I'm doing something I said I would never, ever do again, and that is hosting a yard sale to help those of us going to raise some money. So on April 14th and 15th, from 7 to 2 each day this year, we are going to have a yard sale here, and all the profits from that will be split evenly uh, for the people that are going on the mission trips this year. So we need your help. If you have stuff around your house, you would be willing to donate and get rid of uh, to help us. Uh, just contact me uh, either after church or during the week. I'm here Monday through Thursday. Just call the church and ask to talk to me. We do have a couple of spaces here at the church. I can start collecting stuff and storing it for that yard sale. So just see me uh, after church one Sunday or call me during the week, and we can talk about you getting it to us to help with that. Thank you. April 14th and 15th, so mark your calendars. Good morning also. I'm up here to talk about another mission opportunity. That is a trip to Belize. I think we've gone down there probably half a dozen times at least. We go down to help Kent and Marion Fuller. They have a bed and breakfast that we've done some work for, and they also have a camp where they run training camps for men down there to teach them a trade. There's always stuff to be done. And people, I've got to admit, this was not my choice to do this. Uh, David Nichols called me. Brian Nichols is going, planning on going. But their business is so good, he's just staying so busy, he doesn't have time to plan it. So his dad called me and said, would you be interested in doing it? And I said, David, let me think about it. It took about a week. And I got to admit, I was looking for reasons not to do it. And I did not come up with one. Uh, my grandkids are here this morning with me. And they will tell you the only Spanish I know is no habla espanol. And I'm pretty sure that means I don't speak Spanish. I'm one of those who's used to going to Home Depot and getting everything I need. There is no Home Depot down there. So it's going to be a different trip. But we are going down there. We're thinking the first two weeks in June that still we're trying to plan that out. The cost of the trip is going to be around $1,800 to $2,000. We do not want you to let money stand in the way. We have a pretty good amount in our emissions account right now that we can help out. So please do not let that be a hindrance to you. We will be staying in the bed and breakfast. And like I said, if you have interest in it, you can talk to me. You can talk to B. We can give you the details. One other trip I want to bring up is Ponderosa. Uh, tomorrow week, Monday on the 5th. Is that right, Brent? The 6th? 
sixth, tomorrow, a week from tomorrow anyway, there's a group of us going to Ponderosa to do some work there. And if you really want to have an easy mission trip to go to, this would be it. We would do some work on the cabins. We're going to be putting in windows and air conditioning in the units because the kids are getting too soft. They can't do without their air conditioning these days. Don't ask me why I would have voted down that one, but the director said it's really important. It's not the kids complaining so much as their parents. So if you want to do that. One last thing, uh, we're having a fellowship lunch two weeks from today after church. And as the husband of the wife who is in charge of this meal, she is very upset that y'all do not sign up to the very last minute. And I get to hear about it. So ladies, y'all know that if you're planning a big meal, you need to know how many are coming to figure out what you need. So at the very least, please go sign up for the lunch today. Thanks. For the third time, good morning. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord today. Now, I do speak Spanish. Taco, Guatemala, uh, uh, enchilada. I do it pretty good. I roll it. I roll it pretty good. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, not really, not really. I do know, I do know, see and gracias, you know. Um, but anyway, this morning we're going to do something. We kind of laid back this morning. I mean, hey, it's been raining, been cloudy and everything. Everybody's just kind of been, yeah, right. So let's just kind of cheer up just a little bit. So the choir and I are going to teach you a new chorus, okay? Are you all ready? We're going to teach you a new chorus. Now, to be able to do this in the services, we've got to learn them sooner or later, right? So we're going to teach you a chorus. And then, so with that, uh, choir, come on, let's stand up. Let's, let's get started. <clears throat> and is, is the guitar on here? All right, we're going we're to teach this to you. And then uh, we're going to have you stand, and we're going to sing something completely different, you know. So, uh, but anyway, it goes like this. What's, what's that note? All glory be to the Father. All glory be to the Son. All glory be to the Spirit, the blessed three in one. Join in now. All glory be to the Father. All glory be to the Son. All stand. Come thou almighty King, help us thy name to sing, help us to praise, Father all glorious, or all victorious, come and reign over us, ancient of Come thou in call. 
more time. singing y'all okay we're going to sing uh about the whole gospel you know jesus came and he died for our sins he was buried three days later he arose and one day he's coming back amen and let's sing about it right now let's sing one day one day when
forward to that day. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The choirs now are going to sing a song about that day. Uh, I think you'll get into it. Let's uh, let's sing it right now, choir. Christ died and rose again, then surely we believe that Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a mighty shout and with the soul-stirring cry of the archangel. His coming will be accompanied by the sound of the trumpet of God. The believers who are dead will be the first to rise and meet him. Then we who are still living will be swept up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we shall remain with him forever and ever.
look around me I see prophecies fulfilled And the signs of the times They're appearing everywhere I can almost see the Father At the midnight cry, the bride of Christ will you, Lord. Come again, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray as the choir will come down. Father, we just look forward to that day, that wonderful, wonderful day when the bride of Christ will rise. And we are the bride of Christ, Lord. And thank you for allowing us to be your bride. Oh, Lord, we just welcome you to come any day, any hour. Lord, we just again look forward to it. God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of all that. Thank you for this day, Lord, when we can focus on things like that. We can focus on your word. We can focus on everything that you are and who you are. And Lord, that's what we're going to do right now, Lord. I pray for Brother Thad as he comes and brings the message. Lord, that it will be the message that we need to hear today. But Lord, thank you again for being who you are and for loving us and coming back for us, Lord, taking us home one day. Lord, these things we pray in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
I'm not sure how many years I've heard that song. Um, I know last 27 or so. And um, every single time, it's just fantastic to hear. Uh, and it's because the message of it's just the word. That's why. And uh, I was thinking as they were closing out uh, the song, you know, in uh, 27 years here and five years in New York, I've done a lot of believers' funerals. And Jefferson Memorial is just going to bust wide open. Uh, there's going to be, I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, there's going to be so many believers that are going to rise first. And what a scene that's going to be. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just kind of see that for just a, because it's going to be like that. If we could just see that, it's, it's going to be awesome. I, I look forward to uh, my Lord and Savior the most. Um, because without him, none of this is possible. We don't have anything to sing about or speak about without Christ. But I also think about people that I love that are already enjoying the presence of the Lord. And I guess of all of them, I think about my mom <clears throat> a good bit. Um, she never lacked for praising the Lord. She loved to praise her Lord and Savior. I hope that's true in your life, that you love to praise your Lord and Savior. It sure would be, uh, well, you'd get a check mark today, because, man, I mean, y'all were singing right along with that choir. Ron, your choir was more than just these folks behind me today. Um, well, I wanted to just briefly talk about the next two weeks before we get into our uh, section, final section in chapter 3 of 1 John. You know, the next two weeks are unique for... Um, us at Grace, because we have the privilege to be able to interact with our missionaries. And if you're new to Grace, you haven't been here a long time, then maybe you're not familiar with that, uh, per se. But the missionaries we support here at Grace, we have the opportunity to interact with them on a personal level. And it's a tremendous opportunity uh, to interact with them, to see what the Lord's doing, you know, around the world. And uh, we have to remember the Lord's continuing to build His church. Uh, no matter what's going on around us, uh, that's what He promised. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He promised that, and He's building His church. And so the next two weeks, we have the opportunity to interact with our missionaries. And I trust that you'll make that a priority over the next two weeks to come and, and introduce yourselves to them. I know in interacting with missionaries over the years, they truly enjoy that interaction. They truly enjoy knowing that you care and knowing that you're uh, praying for them. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity that you'll have. And I'll just echo what Barry said. Please sign up. Otherwise, Luann is not only going to um, talk more with Barry, but she's going to knock on my door. And um, so I would just really, really encourage you after the service, immediately after the service, to find that clipboard and sign up for the meal on March uh, the 12th. All right. Well, can we pray? And then we'll march through uh, this section again. Father, thank you for what brings us here today. 
the common bond that we have in the Lord Jesus. There may be some among us this morning that to hear that song which speaks to Scripture, the dead in Christ will rise, maybe that's a new thought for them. Maybe they've never heard that before. They maybe have heard of the coming of the Lord before, but not in that context that the Lord Jesus is coming for his church. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to forever be with our Lord. What an amazing thought. And so we just want to thank you for that encouragement. But if there's even one here today that has a doubt in their mind about whether, where they will spend eternity. I pray, Father, your spirit would work in their hearts and their lives this morning. Show them, show them the gift of grace and how the Lord Jesus came and took on himself the sins of all men and uh, died for our sins, as, as was said earlier, according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures. And because of that, we have hope. The hope, the confidence of knowing that one day, indeed, our Savior will return. It could be today. And, uh, but, Lord, we do know that as you've left us here, uh, as we're still breathing and we're believers. We have responsibility to proclaim your gospel. And so I pray that you would um, just put it upon our hearts. As people come in, we come in contact with um, that may not know you, that we would have opportunity to speak about the salvation, the rich salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So I just want to pray, Father, uh, for those things, as well as, Father, I want to pray that you would help us as we walk through your word together this morning in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, when I was growing up, one of the non-negotiables in our home was eating every bite. Do you remember those days when your parents, those who were over you, said you could not even get up from the table until every bite was gone? And in your mind, that meant every crumb if you were fearful of your parents. Today, I think they just go through whatever drive-through they want and get what they want. And it's just a whole lot different, isn't it? And uh, every bite is not necessarily something that's discussed around a table these days. I wonder how many people even sit around a table these days to enjoy that time together. If you don't, this is not in the sermon notes. If you don't, take that time to do that with your family. It's a very, very rich time. As I was thinking about eating every bite, I couldn't help but think about the scriptures because it's important that we have the mind to eat every bite. We can't skip things just because they're hard or just because we're not quite sure exactly what it might mean. Um, it's imperative that we have the mind that God has given us his love letter. This is it. And he wants us to know it all. With the help of his spirit. Now are we going to know all things like God? No. But we have the spirit of God who can teach us. And so the great privilege you and I have is to dig into God's word. 
and not just read it, but study it. One of the temptations, especially for those who've been in the Word for a long time, is to come to sections of Scripture with presuppositions, assuming that we already know what they mean, and so why bother to read it again? I've heard that before. How many times have you read John 3.16 in your life, and how many of you understand what that says? It's very, very critical that we have the mind to study, because we are all the more presented with people who are challenging us as it relates to the Word of God. You know, what has God already said? What do I need to know? How important is it anyway? Well, let me send you to my pastor and he'll tell you. That's not quite the approach we should have. The approach we should have is, let me sit down with you and go over these scriptures with you and seek to understand what God has said to us. So you see, it's everybody's responsibility collectively to to understand what God has already said. That does not mean that you don't come to passages of Scripture that you just kind of scratch your head and say, what in the world is going on here? And we might have done that already a few times in here, especially as we have plodded through this wonderful book called First John, who Chuck Swindoll said, don't do that book on a Sunday morning. Well, I didn't listen to Chuck, but he did say that. He never went through First John on a Sunday morning with his people. So maybe I should have listened to, to Chuck, but I didn't. So here we are. And we're working through it together, trying to understand whether this is a test of relationship book or a test of fellowship book. And I don't know where you stand, and that's okay, I don't have to, but I think it's important for us to think through both sides of the issue. I think that there are times when we draw lines in the sand. Do you understand that doctrinally? We, we draw those lines in the sand. We draw lines in the sand on the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We draw lines in the sand with the deity of Christ. We draw lines in the sand of how one is saved. Um, there are many things that we draw lines in the sand over. Some of these things that we discussed through 1 John, we're just saying, or I'm saying, I guess we're not. <laughs> you haven't said this to me, but I'm saying it to you. I'm not going to draw a line in the sand through every single one of these sections. Now, there would be some sections that I would have to say, mm, here's my line in the sand. Now, you don't have to have that, right? But isn't it always fun to take your foot at the beach and just draw a line through it? You ever done that? It's fun. Think, when you think about lying in the sand, you think about the beach. By the way, beach weather's coming up, so if you have a trip not planned, plan it, right? Going to the beach is fun. It's fun to see the creation of the Lord, and that's part of the creation of the Lord. All right, now this morning, we want to take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 through 23. And I want to just remind you that all of this is within the context of love. And specifically agape love. And we said that only believers can demonstrate agape love. Okay? Say that with me. Only believers can demonstrate agape love. The world cannot do that. And the only reason that we can do that is because we have Christ. And because we have the Spirit of God that helps us 
to love our wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ in ways that we could never even fathom. How many times have you demonstrated agape love to a person, another believer, in context, that's what he's talking about, that's his audience, another believer, how many times have you done that and even stepped back and thought, wow, Lord, you helped me through that? That ever happened to you? Right where you thought, man, I could never do that. And in and of ourselves, it's important to hear this, we cannot, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, we absolutely can. So you have the Spirit of God if you know Christ, and He resides in you, and just as Jesus told His disciples, He's the helper. He's the one that can help us do those impossible things like love our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And remember, we said this, it's not just loving this section over here. Look how lovable those guys look. It's not just loving them, but it's loving all the sections of the body of Christ. And let me give you something even more wonderful to think about. It's believers outside of these walls. You're saying, Thad, hold on a second. Those two? Yes. That's exactly right. Because in mind here is the body of Christ or those who belong to the Lord. So let's read these verses and then we'll come back and discuss them together. That be all right? Good. Thank you for that approval. Verse 19. Notice, I want you to notice before I read anything, how many times you see the plural pronoun we or our. John is including himself in this. We will know. Remember, he just addressed them as little children, born ones. We will know by this that we are of the truth. Now, in the original language, it says, and by this we will know. Word order sometimes makes a difference. It does to me. In fact, you can thank Andrea for the handout that you have because I had a much more complex one before she read it, and she said, I don't know that you need all that stuff. But I would just let you know this. The word order there, in my viewpoint, makes a difference. So it truly reads, and by this we will know that we are of the truth, and we'll assure our heart before him. Now, in First John, interpretation is difficult, But sometimes you run into verses that are just worded like, what are you saying? This is verse 20. A good translation, and I want you to just listen to it, would be this. For in whatever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Now, when you read that on the surface, you're like, what in the world, John, are you even talking about? I believe he's talking about our motives. You know, why do we display agape love to X, Y, and Z? Why do we do that? We're going to see some of that in just a minute. Verse 20, he says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us... Now, you need to understand the term heart here. Um, in this section, has to do with a person's conscience. Okay? All right, that's, that's how we need to think of that. If our heart, our conscience, does not condemn us. Can you think of times when your 
your conscience does condemn you? Well, sure you can. Right? Maybe even some of you who are very analytical struggle with that all the time. I'm one of those persons. Lord, why did I do this? Lord, why did I do that? I could be standing over your hospital bed going, Lord, why did I do that? Why did I just pray with that person? You say, Thad, do you do that? I admit it. Because I'm thinking through, Lord, why am I here? Am I here so someone will pat me on the back and say, hey, well done, guy. Or is it because I truly love that person? Why am I giving that person something? Another believer something? Because I truly love that person or because I want recognition? So that's kind of what John is talking about in these sections. He says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, prove us guilty is the idea. We have confidence or boldness before God. Now you remember back in chapter 2 verse 28 we saw this issue of coming before the Lord mentioned in a different context. Mentioned in the context of seeing Him. Remember that? We talked about seeing His face. Well, here we have this phrase again. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. <laughs> Now, that has to be measured within the context and framework of prayer. Because you can't come to this passage and go, okay, well, hey, look, I'm going to get everything I asked for. That's not the idea of the passage. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Notice with me. If I forget it later, then you'll say he's already said that. Good, he said it. Notice commandments, verse 22. Commandments, verse 24. Commandment, singular, verse 23. Say, what's John doing? What's natural? Faith and love go together. Now, the type of faith that we're talking about... Are we talking about salvific faith, or are we talking about daily faith? (laughs) Isn't it fun? Don't you wish we had as our guest this morning the Apostle John? So he says, this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Verse 24, and we'll just read 24, just because after missions conference we'll come back to it. It'll give us a kicking off point. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him. There's that word abides there again. And he in him. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. One of the most difficult things to think through is how scripture connects to different subjects. And what we're going to see in here this morning is that assurance connects to prayer. It's kind of odd to think about in some respects, but... Assurance connects to prayer. And I think you're going to see that with me as we work through this. All right. So he begins in verse 19 talking about assurance. We will know by this we are of the truth. Or as it reads in the original, and by this we will know that we are of the truth. So what's the question that comes into play? By what? By what are we going to know we are of the truth? 
Well, by our action. That's the word there. Agape love. By our action. Because remember, agape love is not a passive love. It's not necessarily a verbal love. Although there's nothing wrong with expressing one's love to another verbally, that's fine to do. But agape love is what? It's an active love. It's love in action. And that's what John has in mind here. Hey, we're going to know we're of the truth by what? Our love in action. Okay? So maybe just for the sake of just thinking through your life as a Christian, this past week, how have you shown agape love? How has that looked in your life? Have you had opportunities to demonstrate agape love? Or has this been one of those weeks you're like, nah, hadn't happened? Well, if you're married and you're a husband, you've at least had to think about that. Because what does the Bible tell us about husbands? That husbands are to what? Love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, boy. Well, it's just right there in front of our face, isn't it? It just will not go away. And I think what you're going to find as a Christian is that as you grow in the Lord, the opportunities to demonstrate or show forth agape love is there. Remember in the context of the passage back in verse 17, he says, whoever has the world's goods or the world's resources. So there's an opportunity within the body of Christ all right, to demonstrate agape love by providing for those who may not have. And what John's going to try to measure here is, why do we do what we do as it relates to agape love, especially in verse 20? But in verse 19, he's dealing with the issue of assurance. The question becomes, is it assurance of salvation or is it something else? Well, look at these viewpoints and you can decide this afternoon or this week or sometime you can work through it yourself and it may take longer than that this time next year you might be going i'm not really sure about the viewpoints but the test of relationship view in speaking about verse 19 and specifically love and action this view states that a believer can be assured of their salvation if they are sincerely demonstrating agape love okay So that's the viewpoint of those who hold to a test of relationship view. That John simply here is presenting a test. That if one is showing forth or demonstrating agape love in their life, well, that is the assurance they belong to the Lord of salvation. Um, John MacArthur writes this, what John is talking about in 1 John 3, 19 through 22. If you have a MacArthur study Bible, you might even have this. I didn't get it from his study Bible, but here we go. What John is talking about in 1 John 3, 19 through 22 is the matter of assurance. Well, I agree with him on that. When believers know they have a sincere uh, love for one another, they can be certain they are born again. This is about the assurance of our salvation. That's what he would say is the overarching issue in those verses. Okay, everybody understand that? 
So that's his viewpoint. That's where he lands the plane. Um, Then you have the test of fellowship view. This view states that a believer can be assured they are standing on the truth, on sound doctrine, and in fellowship with the Lord by exercising genuine love for one another. So they don't make it about assurance of salvation. They make it about standing on the truth, that a believer can be certain they are standing on the truth, uh, specifically in context of exercising agape love by doing that, all right? Um, John Walvoord holds to this view, and this is what he writes, by practical acts of love in which the needs of others are met, Christians can have an assurance they are participating experientially in the truth. So he's not talking in terms of salvific language. That's what Walvoord would say of what God desires for them. Well, here's the question. Does God desire for us acts of love as it relates to one another? Answer? Yes, he does. Let me just give you something practical to think about. When you see your brother or sister in need, what do you do? I'm talking about really has a need. Isn't that one of the hardest things to judge? Do they have a need or don't they have a need? That's going to come up as you work your way through this passage. Um, So those are the two viewpoints. I myself hold to the second viewpoint. I believe that um, he's speaking here about how one can know they're standing on sound doctrine, sound truth, if they love one another, all right? Actively doing that. Um, I had some questions. If, if, if a person had the test of relationship view... I just have some questions here that I just wanted to think through. I didn't put these in my notes. I just typed it on PowerPoint. If love in action is assurance of our salvation, what about when we aren't demonstrating that? I'm just throwing the question for consideration. So if I'm not demonstrating agape love, I'm not saved. Now, that's something to think through, wouldn't you think, based on these two views? Um, But as the assurance of my salvation works, yeah, I love, you you ever been in a crowd where the speaker says something and and he's waiting for a response and you're like, that's what it sounds like, you know, and you're like, nobody knows what to say. Is the assurance of my salvation based on my works? Not according to the Bible. The assurance of my salvation is based on the Lord Jesus Christ and His work and the Spirit of God who He has given me until the day of redemption according to the Bible. That He has sealed me until that day. So, I don't know. I'm just throwing these questions out there um, for consideration or are we out of fellowship with the Lord? Those are really kind of the things to think through. And I know this is kind of painful for you, but it'll be okay. All right? Remember that this is not 
necessarily something that we divide over. These are more secondary issues, but I don't believe that the issue of the security of the believer is secondary. You see where I'm coming from in this text? I would argue that point. The security for the believer is not based on their works. If it is, we're in trouble. Are you listening to me? We're in trouble. Because there's none of us in this room, and I'll put myself up on that tall ladder first, who is innocent. There are times in my life when I am not demonstrating agape love to other brothers and sisters in Christ. So, I think it's a painful thing to think through. And I know that we live in a culture of examination. And we want to know who belongs to the Lord. And there, listen... How many times have you had that mind, hey, I know who belongs to the Lord, and then the curveball's thrown to you, and you're like, oh, no. I think it's important that we understand that the security of the believer is wrapped up in Christ and the Spirit. That's where Thad kind of lands the plane. All right, so that's verse 19. Did you have fun with that? Now we're going to verse 20. You're even going to love that even more. Because verse 20 um, is about assessment. Don't you love assessment? Even the word assessment is such a wonderful word. Because assessment requires consideration. Your own consideration. And John, in this particular verse, says this. For if our heart condemns us, and in whatever is in parenthesis... God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Don't you like the way I spelled honesty just to have that O there? (laughs) Did y'all catch that? Honesty. Um, One of the things that's difficult for us to determine is our motives. And that's what John's speaking about in verse 20. It's about our motives of agape love. Why am I demonstrating agape love to Teresa? That's my wife. (laughs) If you're visiting with us, that's my wife. Why am I demonstrating agape love to my wife? Are there good motives there? Wholesome motives? The right intentions? Or is it because I want something? Whether it's recognition or whatever you're talking about. Isn't that difficult? Isn't that difficult to assess? Have you ever given something to someone and thought through, why did I do that? Any of you ever done that? Or just me? Maybe just me. This is a message for me. All right. Why in the world am I giving this meal to this family? Or giving this money to this other brother or sister? By the way, that's a subject all in itself that's very difficult, is it not? When you see a need and you're like, where's my wallet? I keep my wallet in my front pocket. Any of you keep your wallet in your front pocket? Say, that why do you keep your wallet in your front pocket? Well, I knew you were going to ask that, so I'm going to give you the answer. Because when I put it in my back pocket and I sit down, my rear end hurts. <laughs> and it's not because there's a wad of cash in there either. It just hurts. So, I had someone years ago, I don't remember who I can give credit to, but they said, that... Um, Maybe your back's hurting because your wallet's in your back pocket. And I'm like, I have to be honest, I'm like, what a dumb statement that is. 
Well, come to find out, that person wasn't so dumb after all. I, I took that wallet out of there, and I didn't have any more back pain. I'm like, hey. And so I got my wallet, and I put it in my front pocket. Speaking of wallets this week, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. My sons were wanting me to get a new wallet. I don't want to get a new wallet. I've had that thing for years. They're like, Dad, you need a new wallet. Part of it was tearing off, so I just cut it off. The part that was tearing off, I just cut off. You can always make adjustments. Isn't it hard? It's hard for me to get rid of something that I like. It's like a t-shirt. I have this yellow t-shirt, and, and it doesn't fit right. I didn't like the way it felt in my shoulders, so I just cut the sleeves off. And there's always ways to make it happen, right? We were talking about money. Giving to our brothers and sisters. That's a difficult one, isn't it? First of all, it's difficult to let go of. <laughs> Let's just be honest. And yet, if there's a need, man, we need the Lord to help us to judge that, don't we? We're not always going to get that right. We're certainly not always going to get right our motives. What are our motives? Well, there's a couple things we need to keep in mind. We don't know all things. So when we begin to look at our own lives... We begin to assess. We don't know everything. We don't know all the time our thoughts or our intentions or our motives. But we can take great comfort in the fact that He knows them all. He knows them all. When's He going to reveal those things to us? At the beam of seat judgment. And He's going to judge us there. And He's going to reveal those things to us. I was thinking through um, what he says here, and it made me think about his omniscience. And when I think about his omniscience, that God knows all things, I can't help but think about Hebrews chapter 4 and Psalm 139. You read Psalm 139 this afternoon, I'm going to give you Hebrews 4. Listen to this. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight. There is nothing that the Lord does not know about you. And there is nothing hidden from his sight at all. My life and your life. So when we think about assessing ourselves in context, assessing why are we showing this agape love, I think it's important to keep in mind that we can do the best that we can with the help of the Spirit to judge that, but there's only one that knows all things, and that is the Lord Himself. But it shouldn't hamstring us. We shouldn't just walk around just like uh, guilty all the time, thinking like, oh no, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I like what Dr. Anderson says about this. He says, The important point in verse 20 is that the Lord alone knows all things. We do not have a perfect understanding of the thought and the intentions or the motives of the heart. And I love this last sentence. Don't let doubts of your own conscience keep you from acts of sacrificial service. Guys, I'll, I'll just use my life as an illustration. I've stood over your bed. Now, I think there's this physical and context. It's the physical 
providing for another brother, but I think there's application in the spiritual realm as well. Why am I standing over so-and-so's bed praying for that person? Am I praying with that child so the mother and father will say, that a boy, Thad? Or am I praying over that child because I love that child and I love the Lord? You know what I'm saying? Motives are those things that are hard to discern. Okay? Um, I think in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God. Right? See if there be any wicked way in me. Right? I can't illustrate your life. This is one of those messages I can't say, Well, let me talk about so-and-so. I have to talk about my life because this is the one I'm responsible for. I am going to stand before the Lord and give an account for those things. And you know who's going to reveal the thoughts and the intents and the motives? The Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I stand up here on a Sunday morning to preach the Word of God? All those things. It's like agape love and acting out, that stuff, it's fun. It's fun to do that. But why am I doing it? Why am I loving on that person? Well, hopefully we have the right heart and the right thoughts as we do that. Okay? So then we move from that wonderful subject of assessment to the subject of approach. Because what we're going to see is our assessment and how we assess then and what that reveals impacts our face-to-face time with the Lord. Notice what he says, verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, if it does not prove us guilty, is what John is saying, we have confidence. So what does that assume? Assessment. It assumes that. It assumes we come before the Lord and ask him to assess. If our heart does not condemn us, we have boldness before God. That picture is uh, is of being face-to-face with the Lord Himself. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, point three is about approach. It's about approaching the Lord. So you're going to see that Being a person, a believer specifically, who's demonstrating agape love and not being condemned impacts our prayer life. So if we feel condemned or we have guilt, what should we do with that? Confess it for what it is. But then we move on, and that directly connects to coming before the Lord. Now, I believe in the context of the passage He's not speaking about a future time of coming before the Lord as it relates to the beam of seat judgment, which he talks about in uh, uh, chapter 3 at the end, verse 28. I believe what he's talking about here is our prayer life, okay? Coming before him in prayer. So that's the way we need to think about facing him. It's prayer. And then you see letter B there. That fellowshipping with him is ultimately the goal of the believer. But how does fellowship happen? He tells us in this verse. Obeying him and pleasing him equates or equals what? Receiving from him. That's what he says in the verse. 
He says, whatever we ask, we receive from him. But he tells us why. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Um, But we need to remember prayer in its greater context. Coming before God in its greater context. In fact, John's even going to speak to this. Because if you're looking at these verses, you're like, oh, well, if I obey the Lord, uh, he's going to give me whatever I want. Right? That's what you would think if you're just reading that. If you don't understand the bigger context of prayer, you'd be like, okay, I obey the Lord and I keep his commands. I do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Hey, Lord, um, I really want to have that um, Ferrari. I mean, and he's just going to give it to you, right? Because that's what he says. But that's not the point. That's not what he's saying. There's a greater context to this issue of coming before the Lord in boldness. I want you to just go over one page. You might not even have to turn over one page in your Bible. I don't know which Bible you have. But look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 14. He talks about this again. And notice that little word confidence there. Again, boldness. This is the boldness which we have before him. I love that little phrase before him. It reminds me that I have a privilege. You know, we have a privilege to come before the Lord. That if we ask anything, he hears us. Is that true? If we ask anything, he does hear us. But notice what it says. If we ask anything according to his what? Will. Oh, no. Well, what happened to those verses in chapter 3? Well, they're still there. But this is the greater context. You understand what I'm saying? You could easily be confused by just reading part of this doctrinally as it relates to prayer. So John says, this is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Oh, good. So, it's his will that I'm interested in. Correct? Correct? Maybe we're not quite as (laughs) with that as we want to be, or should be. Um, Listen to this. When the Lord is teaching his disciples to pray, you know the passage, and you know even what I'm going to read. But I'm going to read it anyway. Listen to this. Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. Just as a side note, this is not the Lord's Prayer. Just throwing out some trivia for you. The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. This is the way he taught his disciples to pray. Okay? Look at verse 9 of Matthew 6. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your what? Will be done. I love the next phrase. It's not talked about too much, but it should be. On earth as it is in heaven. His will is going on in heaven. So we want God's will on earth. What does that mean? That means we want God's will for our lives. This is the hard part. Whatever that might look like. 
Is that okay? <laughs> Imagine being one of the apostles. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is how the Lord Jesus taught me, and yet I hung upside down on the cross. That was the will of the Father. You believe that? We live in a comfortable Christian life. We don't know what it's like to suffer. To truly say, do we, Lord, your will be done in this because I'm about to be presented with a stake and fire. I'm not talking about like a <laughs> one you eat. <laughs> that kind of stake. I'm talking about men who gave their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, thinking through how that had to look, right, in their lives. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A.T. Robertson, uh, in writing about this, says, John is not implying sinlessness. I mean, we're not talking about sinlessness, right? He says... But is speaking of the fellowship we can have before God through prayer. Don't we want that fellowship with God through prayer? Answer? Yes. Then what do we, we maybe we found out for the very first time today that we, it's more than just going to Him. I need to assess in my life. I need to make sure that I'm right before the Lord. So he moves from the approach and in, in, in homiletics. I would just get an F by having a fourth point, but um, George and Dr. Hugh may give me an F in that. That'd be all right. There's grace. We were never told we could have a fourth point, but I don't know if we were told we couldn't, so here's a fourth one, all right? And it's an appendix. John's appendix is what I call it. All right, here it is. Look at verse 23. This is his commandment. Now remember we said earlier, it's singular, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded. And you know again there's going to be viewpoints to this, right? You already knew that. The relationship view states on, about this verse that the command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ is salvific language. That's what John is saying here. Well, in the context of the passage, I think that's a very difficult argument. I do have to say that. I mean, I'm, I don't have that view. I'm not saying that it could not be a part of John's language. John isn't sitting here. I don't know. But in the context of the passage, based on what he's talk about, talked about in terms of love and action and prayer, I think specifically as it relates to prayer, that's what he's talking about. That it's faith in trusting the Lord, not for salvation, but trusting Him daily. Um, that's the fellowship view. This view states that the command to believe in context would suggest continuing faith. Now, doesn't that, for me, I have to ask the question, that makes more sense, or does that make more sense in the light of context? Um, that's something you'll have to consider. It makes more sense to me in light of the context in coming before God, that John's not talking about salvation, but indeed he's talking about here about continuing faith. 
continuing to trust in the Lord every single day for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and so, so on. Um, that's kind of how I see that particular uh, section there in verse 23. When he says this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. It, 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 it forces the question to think through those two views. forces the question, is salvation an invitation or a command? It's something to think through. I'm just throwing that out for you to think about. All right? I will say this, that if it is the fellowship view, if this is continuing faith that John's speaking about, then the passage that we know so well that's wisdom literature has a lot more to it to consider than maybe we've ever considered. It's not just a cute little magnet to put on the refrigerator or verses that we've memorized since we were small, but that truly there is wisdom when Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your what? All your heart. Day by day by day by day by day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So now we're dealing with all kinds of circumstances. Because every single day we are presented with multiple things. How do we handle those things? Like, Lord, I've got a rebellious teenager. I'm going to fix it. I'll get back to you. No. Lord, I've got a rebellious teenager. I need to just give them to you. Right? I'm trusting you with my son Caleb or my son Mike, uh, Micah or my son Andrew. I'm trusting you with my grandchildren, Abby and Maya and Janae. God, I give them to you. Lord, I give the future of my children to you. I am not going to micromanage their life. I trust you that you're going to take care of them. I was in a conversation with a man years ago, and he said to my face that I hope that the Lord doesn't call my children to the mission field. I said, why not? He said, I just couldn't do that. Yeah, you can. Because you can just say, you know what? I give my son or my daughter to the Lord. They're yours. Aren't you glad there are people in your life that had that viewpoint, that shared Christ with you or walked with you, right, in hard circumstances? We want people to give their lives to the Lord. We want people to trust the Lord on a daily basis. We want to see that happening. I wanted to mention something to you, and I, I just, it didn't fit in the sermon, but I'm going to mention it anyway. It fits in one sense, because... You know, there's a lot going on in this country. A lot of evil, right? But there are some things out there going on, even in our culture today, that, man, I'm like, Lord, if, if, if people are coming to you, great. And um, that's this revival stuff going on. 
I know that there are different viewpoints. I get all that. Can you believe there are even different viewpoints about that? Some are looking to go, well, that's really not revival. Well, I don't know what it is. Whatever you want to call it, there's a bunch of students out there considering the Lord. Can we just say that? Who maybe have never considered the Lord ever. Or maybe there's a speaker that's standing in the pulpit talking and they're saying, hey, listen, you need Christ. And if you have Christ, you need to live for him on a daily basis. Anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. We want our young people to come to Christ and we want them to live day by day trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Day by day. Not just salvation, but day by day. Well, Charles Spurgeon said this, It is a poor faith which can only trust God when friends are true, the body full of health, and the business profitable. Faith in the Lord is tested when friends are gone, when the body is sick, and when the spirit is depressed. And did you know about Charles Spurgeon, that last one? Happened in his very life. You say, well, how does a believer get depressed? It happens, doesn't it? Life happens. Life's messy. That's my favorite phrase in the last five, ten years. Life's messy. But you know who we can trust in that life of mess? The Lord himself. I don't know your motives. You don't know mine. But there's one that does. And the assurance of my salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit who sealed me to the day of redemption. Well, it is really good to have some folks back with us it's nice to see David Anderson here. David, it's really nice to see. You can kill me later, okay? It's fine. But he and I have been texting. He sends these voice texts to me. I don't know how he does that. I guess you can do it. I'm not real good on my phone. But he and I have been texting over the last six months, and it's just really good to see you. It's good to have you back and your family's here today. It's just good. And, and Brian Nichols, you've been out there working and off and gone, and it's great to have Brian back with us. Um, we miss our family when they're not with us, don't we? Uh, you know what? It's going to be heaven. We're not going to be missing anybody. We're all going to be there, and in the center of all that is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you uh, get two weeks. Without First John. <laughs> All right? But we're going to be plodding through and going into chapter 4. Believe it or not, there's only about seven more messages we should be through the book. All right? And then we're going to go through uh, Psalm 119, all 176 verses. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Huh? <laughs> but that would be good today, 176 verses. Um, I wanted to show uh, uh, this trailer again. Uh, for the movie Risen. One of the things that we probably could work on as a church is reaching out into our community. I'll just phrase it that way. 
doing that a little better. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do with this movie, Risen, is give you an opportunity to invite your family and your friends. I know some are already doing that. Jim Franklin, right here. Jim, stand up for us, please. This is Jim Franklin. If you've never met Jim Franklin, I don't know how that could have happened. Um, he, he's the one. He's always wearing an Auburn button. But he's going to be out there uh, right after I, I close in prayer. And, and we've got some cards that we've printed up uh, for that movie. It's going to be on April the 7th at 6.30. Now, we're not going to... You can sit down, Jim. That's pretty good. Stand, sit, stand, sit. No. Wow. Okay, so i got to get through that. So at 6.30 we're showing the movie, but if you wanted to come and fellowship before that, uh, maybe 5 o'clock, 5.30, well, i just leave it up to you. You want to get with some other brothers and sisters and meet up here and eat before that, that's great, because we will not have popcorn that night and we're, because we're going to show the movie in here, okay? And so you can do all your eating before you come into the sanctuary. But I just want to encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family. Uh, I believe this is a tremendous movie. I think one that they'll enjoy. And I did want to make uh, also this announcement that we will have a sunrise service. I've never been a part of one. I'm really looking forward to it. I have no idea what that's going to look like. Um, but we're going to do that at 6.30 on that Sunday morning. So... Uh, we will not forego anything else. We'll still have Sunday school. We'll still have a 1030 service. We may just look a little more tired at 1030. All right. But I think Phil Hansen's making all of this bacon and eggs and all that kind of thing. So we should be good. Right, Phil? He said yes. We got a lot of witnesses here. All right. Bacon's always good. Um, but I want to just remind you uh, of the preview uh, of this movie and kind of what that looks like. And so just watch that and I'll come and close this in prayer. I served the Roman Empire. I fought wars against those who did not believe in our gods. But nothing could prepare me for the truth that has now risen. He was very special. They're fanatics. What was his name? He was called Yeshua. The man's dead. His followers are in hiding. He's been a threat. Take control out there and finish things. The tomb is sealed. Guarded with your life. If this body vanishes, we have a potential messiah. Where has he gone? You tell me. You will track down the corpse of Yeshua. He's right here. Open your heart and see. Trust that you'll make every effort to, to be a part of that and um, to invite folks. We have cards out there uh, on the Welcome Center. There's a stack of them. Take, 
take what you need. And um, if we need to make more next week, we'll do that. But I trust that you'll consider that for sure. All right. It's good to see you today. I'm glad we got to be uh, together this morning. I did want to announce something. I'm going to do it. So this morning, I told, I told Sam and, and, and Will that um, I never have had, as far as I know, someone propose to another in the sanctuary. But we had that happen this morning where Will proposed to Sam. You guys stand up, right? Joined the church last week, and then this week there's proposal. And that, by the way, that wasn't the first time that Will met Sam last week. I had to let y'all know that I, they knew each other before last week. So, but uh, we're excited for what the Lord's going to do in their lives together. And uh, so, um, yeah, it was great to witness that this morning. Why don't we stand and let's close in prayer, and then you guys are dismissed. All right. Father, thank you so much that we can enjoy one another uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the privilege of being able to um, have your love letter to us. and We want to understand it better. Um, we want to know what you want for our lives. And we realize that there's a lot of things that go on in our lives that need assessing. And, and at times... Our assessment, there's, there's this judgment that goes on, that, that our hearts aren't right before you, that our motives, our intents not right. We, we want to be aware of those things. We ask that your spirit would, would intercede and convict us of those things and that we confess those things and, Lord, that we would seek to love our brothers and sisters um, in Christ with um, agape love and that we're doing that ultimately to bring honor and glory to you. And so we just ask that you would help us to live um, uh, like we belong to you, that people would see a difference in our lives and uh, that we would point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you so much for um, the ones that are back today in our fellowship who've been absent for a while. And we just, uh, we want to take an opportunity in front of the entire congregation to pray for for Will and for Sam, that, Father, you would just um, be in their marriage, be in their lives, and that um, they would glorify you in all they do. Thank you for our time together today, and we pray for our outreach, that, Lord, you would just be in that, and whatever, um, whoever you might bring, that maybe we could even see that day souls being saved. And so we just uh, commit ourselves to you today. Uh, help us to walk with you in all these things, uh, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Don't forget to sign up for the fellowship.